0: Welcome to the Jill on Money Show. It is Friday, March 24th. Mark, we haven't spoken since the Federal Reserve meeting. And as you had guessed way back when last week, when in the middle of a financial banking anxiety attack, you said, ah, they're still going to go a quarter of a point. You really were very sure. And look, you were right. A quarter of a percentage point is what they did. 4.75 to 5% is amazing actually, when you think about it, do you know that just over a year ago, I looked this up, March 16th, 2022, that was the first rate increase. So in just over a year, we've gone from zero to almost 5%. It's shocking, right? Quite the acceleration, but I did. Yeah. I thought that they had to raise it. They had to continue raising it because if they didn't, it was just kind of bad optics. I think that would have been interpreted in a very bad way. Yeah. Well, listen, in their comments, they said um, that the banking system is secure. Of course, you'd expect that. Um, when they asked about regulation and supervision, my favorite comment was like, Jerome Powell's like, well, that's not, I'm not doing that, but someone's doing that. And he said, essentially, Silicon Valley Bank, failure of bank management, nothing else. I think also a failure in regulation, I have to be honest, and supervision. Come on. Like the San Francisco Fed, Mary Daly, she's going to lose her job. She is. Because something something broke down here. You cannot actually have a bank in your crosshairs and say, oh, you know what? You can't do any acquisitions because your financial controls are so off, but then never mention anything about liquidity. I don't get it. Something happened here. So the Fed and the San Francisco Fed are going to have to answer to that. Um, now, also, interestingly, in the press conference, Powell said that there's probably going to be another quarter point increase this year, but that also he acknowledged that the banking situation is kind of deflationary. And so the reason that that is the case is that when you have a bank failure And then you have worries among other bankers. A lot of the banks will pull back on their lending. So if we are doing less borrowing, meaning we as individuals, we as consumers or even businesses, there's less borrowing. There's probably less spending. And so, you know, we, we could see that maybe this situation could slow down growth. Of course, it also probably increases the odds of a recession if growth slows down too much. But All that being said, 4.75 to 5%, those savings rates, those savings rates, gang. I hope you don't have a credit card balance because it's pretty bad time for you. Anyway, Mark, anything else to say about the Fed? When's their next get together? May 2nd, 3rd. Okay, so we'll do it all over again in May. As we would always do. But a lot of information coming out between now and then. Let's see if inflation slows down. Let's see. You know, I'll be interested in that. All right, let's do some emails, Mark, because otherwise people are going to get nutty because we haven't responded in enough time. This is from Miguel, who says, "Uh, I've been listening to your podcast for about a year. I'm 28, recently separated from the military um, at the end of last year. I started investing in the thrift savings plan in 2017, the Roth, and uh, my Roth TSP is worth $24,400. My wife and I purchased rental property in Anchorage, Alaska. I mean, they live in Anchorage, Alaska, so they didn't just randomly pick that out. Mark, they lucked out. They closed in December of 2020 and get this interest rate, 2.265%. Okay. They put 20 grand into the property. They did a bunch of stuff and they have an eight-month-old baby. I want to know, should I take a penalty, 20%, I believe, and pull some of the money out of the Debt used to fix the property. Does he mean pull money out of the TSP? No, don't. Do not do that. But it looks like he's got some debt and I need to know more about that. Um, He's a driver. He makes a little bit more than he did. I I don't really think you should pull money out of your thrift savings plan. Like the nature of the debt to fix the property, he says he doesn't want, he owes $15,000, no car payments. I mean, if you can avoid pulling money out, then, pull, then, then do that. What I wonder if this guy is actually also putting money into a new retirement account. I mean, if you can just harness as much cash as possible and whittle away at the debt, I'd much rather you do that than pull money out of the thrift savings plan because you don't have that much money. So I'd rather you not do that. Do you agree, Mark? Tapping the f- retirement plan, uh, it's like an absolute, absolute last resort. Never a good idea. Right. Last resort. It's hard to get that money back in there. So let us know. I want to know what else, what other options we might have. They, they've done some house hacking. I mean, they, they, I'm interested to know, you know, how they can manage their debt better. So maybe give us a holler, follow up with us. Okay. This is from, who is this from? Crystal says, I love your show. And I just finished the great money reset. I love the book. Oh, thank you. Crystal's going to give it as gifts to people this year. That's an excellent idea. Okay. Crystal says, I'm single, 43-year-old. I've got a son. He's 22. He's finishing up his last semester of college. After I graduated in college, my mother handed me a universal life insurance policy, $50,000. I'm thinking it's probably a $50,000 death benefit. And mom told me to take over the quarterly payments. It was $31 a quarter. Okay. Each year, the rate changes per $10,000 of insurance coverage. I just turned 43, so my next bill is $3,375 per quarter. Okay, there's cash in this policy of about $1,500. Crystal makes almost one hundred fifty She's got basic life insurance. She um, participates in the supplemental term policy, which is another three hundred. dollars Here's the question. Do I need this universal life policy? I don't even know what a universal life policy is. <laughs> She says, I've been mindlessly paying this policy for 20 years. So here's the additional information. No pre-existing medical, mortgage balance, 289. She's got a whole bunch of money saved, $340,000 in a 401k, pension, brokerage, Roth, emergency, other funds. Okay, Crystal, you don't need this coverage. You don't need any more coverage. You're done. You just, you like the, the the most important thing, you're 43 years old, your son is done with college. How much more could you possibly need? Get rid of the universal life policy, which essentially is an, is a policy where you have a, a portion that is a death benefit and a portion that is linked to a um, an account where you have money earning interest. That's what universal life is. And that to me is not worth it for you. Enjoy your $1,500 of cash. After the last twenty years, can you imagine, Mark? What a, what a rotten investment that ended up being. Thanks, Mom. Um, okay, this is from John, which says I have six laddered CDs over the next six years, and they range of paying interest of one to two point six five percent. The highest two point six five will mature in October this year. The rest in October of each successive year. CD rates are significantly higher today, which leads to my question. Would it be worth taking a penalty with to withdraw my money and open a new CD at a higher rate, especially the CDs that have two, three, four, five years remaining? Other penalties that I'm not aware of are inconveniences. Mark, should we blow out of these and pay the penalty and move on and get some uh, other juicy CDs? What do you think? Yeah. I mean, what, I don't know exactly what the penalty is. Do you? I would like to know what the panel, before we make the decision, I would say yes, but generally I'm inclined to do it. And I would not um, be pushing out your term so far is this is just safe money. I really wouldn't worry too much about it, but yeah, I'm interested because rates are high and you're not going to get much more in rates um, over the next year or so. So in fact, you may even see rates start to dip in a year from now. So yeah, I think I would do that. Um, okay here's somebody who tried to get on the show and we couldn't get him on because we had a technical issue so we're going to do it as an email this is from mark who says they're planning on retiring in three years wants to know are we okay okay mark's wife is 56 she's retired he's 59 he'll retire in three years they are maxing out thirty thousand dollars in a roth 457 plant and 15 grand in roth iras net worth 1.1 $1. 1 million dollars bunch of money in brokerage, 140 in brokerage, half a million in deferred comp, 87,000 in a Roth 457. Roth IRAs are 153,000, 118,000, 19,000 in savings. Oh, this is silly, Mark. I mean, okay. So there's rental property, which income is um, 10 grand a year. Wife's pension is 38,000 take home so that's 48,000 his is another 64 th- okay the most exciting thing about mark mark you're in great shape he says i'm considering becoming a cfp after retirement i'd love to be a planner and not a salesman go for it i love it it's fantastic you're in great shape you're and and don't worry i mean if you're going to be a financial planner use yourself you're a great case study for yourself wait till you learn about in what great shape you're in uh, CG says, I enjoy your podcast. I've a question about paying off my mortgage. Mm, you ready for this? 55 years old, no debt, but two mortgages. One on my primary residence, one on a second home. I also have a rental home, but that mortgage is paid off. By the way, gang, absolutely opposite. You should not actually pay off rental property. You should actually have a mortgage on rental property because it works better when you do or whatever. It's already done. Okay. Max out my Roth at work. I've got IRAs outside of work. I contribute to, I'm now at a level where I'm not eligible to contribute to a Roth IRA outside of work. I make too much money. So $300 monthly that I used to contribute to that account. What do I do with it? I was thinking I should pay down one of my mortgages for $300. Don't do it. Don't do it. I don't know how, unless your mortgage rate is really high, please do not do this. Really. It is unnecessary. I just feel like in this case, it's just, you know, if you're going to do it, you're fine. You're going to do it. But like, it's better not to do it. How about that? In general, unless there's some compelling reason why your mortgage rate is really high or something. I don't know. I wouldn't do it. All right. And last for this Friday pod is a lovely message from somebody who liked this story about Sam. And you know what, Mark? At my book party... It was so nice because um, somebody came up to me, one of my nieces came up to me and also loved this story. I don't know if you guys remember this. Sam was the former football player turned trainer who was trying to think about his next path forward, right? And like what he was going to do. He's a young guy. So here's a message uh, from Weber who says... This is just a note to say thank you for talking with Sam, the football player, on the air. It's inspirational to hear everything he has done at the young age of 29. Wow. I loved the advice to talk to his training clients about their careers. My legal assistant moved away about five years ago, and I mentioned this to my personal trainer, and he was interested in the job. We discussed at length and decided it would be a good fit He has an English degree. His passion is training, and I only need part-time help with my law practice. His position has evolved to legal assistant paralegal, and we both couldn't be happier with the decision to work together. My friends think it's hilarious that my personal trainer is also my paralegal. Thanks for all you do. The story really touched my heart. Isn't that cool, Mark? I like that story. I mean, I was just trying to think if my personal trainer, I could do anything with him, but probably not. He's very curmudgeonly my personal trainer. And he is mad at me because I have not been you know, very good for the last year. I've been very bad, actually. You never know. It's a good thing to just talk to people about what's going on. That's the thing to me that like the moral of the story is the people who you think might be, I don't know, like you never know, like you, the people you think, oh, they're doing one thing and not another. You never know where where some person is going to turn around. You never know where the person in one part of your life is good for some other part of your life. So it's kind of cool, right? I, I love that story. I feel good about it. Um. All right, Mark, are we done for a Friday with all that drilling in the background? It's time for Friday happy hour. Okay. Here's the most important thing to consider right now. We are in the heart of tax season, and so many of the questions that you guys are asking have to do with planning, with converting retirement assets, with maximizing your tax situation. If you want to be in on this conversation, I encourage you. To subscribe to our new service, it's called Jill on Money Live. It gives you access to quarterly live webinars. And the first one is coming up on March 30th. We have special guest IRA expert, Ed Slot. He's amazing if you haven't heard him. And he's been on the program before, but this is going to be a time where you get to ask your questions directly. I'll be moderating so you can't yammer on. <laughs> Right, Mark? We have to make sure people don't go crazy. Um, Ed's time is limited. 7 p.m. on March 30th. And if you want to join us, you have to subscribe to the new service, Jill on Money Live. You'll find that on our website at jillonmoney.com. Just click the Contact Us button if you've got a question. We'd really love it if you could join us. And of course, you can buy the book, The Great Money Reset. All the links right there on the website. Okay, it's Friday. Time for some business. Mark is the executive producer, Mark Telercio. You know, I talk about him as if you guys all knew this, but like, he's more than an executive producer. I feel like you need a, you need a better title, Mark. Like you're the chief operating officer of Jill on Money. You like, you make everything run and it's amazing. And I'm very grateful for that. Karen Cranick, also grateful for Karen. She is our web queen. Our music is composed by Joel Goodman. We're distributed by Cadence Thirteen. Please, if you would, put your hands metaphorically on someone's back. Someone needs a little, a uh, little, little gentle nudge on the back just to be knowing that someone else is there. It's a nice feeling. Change your work, change your wealth, change your life. Thank you for listening. We'll talk to you tomorrow.